Good morning. Yeah. So I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 1 and uh, from verse 8. I'm reading from the voice translation. Um, so we'll get the words up on the screen if you particularly want to follow them in the voice version. First, I thank my God through Jesus the Anointed for all of you because we are joined by faith as family and your faith is spreading across the world. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome. So he's writing to a whole bunch of people. For I call God as my witness, whom I worship in my spirit and serve in making known the gospel. He alone knows how often I mention you in my prayers. I find myself constantly praying for you and hoping it's in God's will for me to be with you soon. I desperately want to see you so that I can share some gift of the spirit to strengthen you. Plus, I know that when we come together, something beautiful will happen as we are encouraged by each other's faith. If, my brothers and sisters, you did not already know, my plans were set to meet you in Rome, but time and circumstances have forced every trip to be cancelled until now. I have deeply desired to see some good fruit among you, just as I have seen with so many non-Jewish believers. You see, I am in tremendous debt to those of various nationalities, from non-Jews to barbarians, from the wisest of the wise to the idle wanderer. So you can imagine how eager I am to join you and to teach the good news in the mighty and diverse city of Rome. For I am not the least bit embarrassed about the gospel. I won't shy away from it. Because it is God's power to save every person who believes, first the Jew and then the non-Jew. You see, in the good news, God's restorative justice is revealed. And as you will see, it begins with and ends in faith. As the scripture declares, by faith, the just will obtain life. And um, I just want to use this opportunity to remind you what Liz shared this morning about if this if you don't yet know Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, says in here it's the power of the gospel to salvation to everybody. Uh, Paul's caught up in Jews and non Jews because that's his situation and circumstance kind of passes us by a little bit. Just understand this gospel message is for everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your history, that Jesus is reaching out to you this morning. I just want to echo that to have a word with Liz. Uh, at the end of the meeting, just find her out and ask her what she's talking about. She'll tell you more. Um, so I love the fact that Paul is writing this really practical message at the beginning of his gospel, uh, of his epistle, his letter to the Romans. And there's so amazing, amazing themes in the book of Romans. He takes you through step by step and he builds up his gospel message. But it's in a letter. It's in a letter. He sent this to real, living, breathing people who lived in a particular place and a particular time. And he's speaking from his heart when he says, I really, really wanted to come and see you. But it's, I've been thwarted at every term and turn until now. And I just love this connection and desire that Paul has with the church, with people in the church and is longing to actually see them and to be with them. It's, to me, it's a very personal letter. We read it as almost as if it's been written to us. And I guess in one sense it has, 
because there's a message to all of us, but it was written to a particular people at a particular place and in a particular time. And at the end of this particular um, passage I've read, we come to this um, phrase which we're very familiar with, by faith the just will obtain life, or probably we know it more as the just uh, will live by faith. And uh, just having this translation puts a slightly different angle on it and challenges us to make sure we understand fully what the scriptures are saying. And I just want to remind you that last week when Richard was with us, he was talking very much about the importance of us living by faith. Um, He finished, towards, towards the end he used this phrase, the way in which we will flourish in this life is by remaining full of faith. And that faith is such an important thing. Jesus in Matthew 25 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. What is he commending people for? It's for their faithfulness. Good and faithful servant. And when he went through Hebrews 11 and talked about the heroes of faith, he pointed out that some of those heroes of faith were sawn in two or put to the sword in faith. They didn't see all that God had called them to, but because they, they died in faith. So they were still looking for something else. And the importance for all of us is that we, more than anything else, that we make sure we're people of faith. That our, we, our faith is in Jesus, our trust is in him, not just for our salvation, which obviously is important, but for our entire lives. That we're always going after something. Richard challenged us with things like, what is it that God has entrusted to you? Trevor, some weeks ago, was asking us, what is it that you see? What is it that you're going for? These things are just so important if we're going to continue to live and thrive and work in faith. Now, I read this, I was reading this passage in my own personal devotions prior to Richard. Um, sharing last week and when I did it was verses 11 and 12 in particular that God drew to my attention he says I desperately want to see you so that I can share some gift of the spirit to strengthen you plus I know that when we come together something beautiful will happen that the voice sometimes puts little phrases in to try and amplify and give a clearer picture of what's being said that's a lovely phrase when we come together something beautiful will happen as we are encouraged by each other's faith. And this morning it's that, the way that we can strengthen and encourage each other, the way we can build one another up in, in our faith that I want to focus on. The phrase I was desperately trying to write down, um, has a slight hesitation, was from the song we were singing, um, uh, Waiting Here For You With Our Hands Lifted High. Etc. Et oh, sorry, Mark's giving me the words here. You are everything you've promised. Your faithfulness is true. Uh, we're desperate for your presence. It says, all we need is you. And I love that phrase. All we need is you. And in worship, and not just in worship, but quite literally in one, there is a sense in which all I need is you. And yet it isn't all that I need. I need more than that. Do you understand what I mean? It is true. All I need is you. If you take everything else away, all I need is him. And in fact, everything else is as like dust and rust in comparison to him. All I need is you. But I know you are. I need you guys too. I need people around me. I need fellowship. I need my family. I need my friends. Otherwise, I might just as well go and be a monk. 
somewhere. Please, nobody suggest that I should. I could just go off and live on my own. Or Jesus could just take me right now, you know, because that's all I need. So don't get me wrong. I'm going to continue to sing that song and mean it with every fiber of my being because it's true. And yet I need you as well. We need each other. You might look around the room and think, I wish I didn't need that person. You know, God, God puts us in, the, in, the, in different places at different times with all sorts of people. And that, that can change from time to time. But I need you. I need people. I need Christians around me. I need brothers and sisters of faith. Because there are times, you know what, when I can't do it on my own. I can't get through with my own strength. You know, I need others. And that's what I just want to emphasize this morning. There's a couple of real-life biblical examples here. Again, in the book of Romans, towards the end, in chapter 15, he says, if that happens, and what he means by that is, if circumstances allow him to go to Rome, then my journey to you will be filled with joy. And if God wills, I can rest and be refreshed in your presence. He doesn't want to just bring something to them. He wants to receive from them as well. And then towards the end of the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, 13, Paul has a difficult journey with the Corinthian church. He's having to write some difficult letters, corrective letters. Um, But in chapter 7, he says this, In the midst of all that has happened, though it has been difficult, we are comforted and encouraged. When we saw the relief and joy on Titus's face, we celebrated even more because his spirit had been totally refreshed by you. So Paul and his team have sent Titus to Corinth to help and strengthen and kind of suss out what's going on there. And now he's returned to Paul and the team. And they're just so encouraged by the way the Corinthian church have refreshed him. This is what I'm talking about. So as I was reading this passage, the challenge that I felt for myself and I want to put to you this morning is that... um, I want to make more of my time that I spend with people. Make more of the interactions that I get. Maybe when I'm with somebody one-to-one. Or maybe it's Sonia and I with, with another couple or somebody else. Or even in a larger group. Whatever that setting is, I want to make the most of it. And I'm encouraging each of us to make the most of those opportunities that we get. So I'm going to break this down into two parts by using those two verses from Romans chapter 1 as my hooks if you like. So first of all, Romans 1, 11. Just repeat it again. I desperately want to see you so that I can share some gift of the Spirit to strengthen you. You know, it's good when we get together sometimes just to kick back and relax, have a laugh, have a bit of fun, just enjoy being in one another's company. But I want to challenge myself and each of us that if that's all it ever is, then we're missing something. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 says this, make the most of every living and breathing moment because these are evil times. Gosh, that sounds like a stark verse, doesn't it? But all it's really saying is make the most. We, We often say make the most of every opportunity. Well, that includes when you're spending time with your friends. I find that as a, at very least, a gentle challenge to myself to make sure I am making the most of my time with people. And there's a lovely Old Testament example, which we find in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16. I'll read the verse and then I'll just give you an idea of the context. It says, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. 
In these circumstances, David's on the run. Saul is the king. Jonathan is his son. So he's actually the heir um, of King Saul. But uh, Saul is in, kind of in fear of David uh, taking over. Um, and, and so he's pursuing David and the men that are with David because he wants to kill him. He wants to get rid of David. So when uh, Jonathan susses out, I don't quite how he works out where David is, I don't know, because Saul doesn't know where he is. But anyway, David, perhaps he has his contacts. Uh, Jonathan finds out where David is, and he, at a personal risk, I think, goes to find David, and he helps him to find strength in God. He actually goes with the very purpose to see his friend so that he can strengthen him. I wonder what he did. I wonder how Jonathan strengthened David, there's a little bit of a clue because in the following verse, he tells David not to fear and he assures David that he will be with him. And I wonder what ways there are that we can strengthen each other. And I've got a couple of verses which I find helpful for this. The first is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We can do that, can't we? We can encourage each other. We can find ways to encourage, to give courage, to give heart, literally, to each other and to build one another up. And then Paul, he tries to encourage them anyway, because he says, you're doing it anyway, really. (laughs) And then in Galatians 6, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's great this morning to hear the encouragement to leave our burdens at the door. And in a place of worship, that's really what we need to hear. Just, you know, if it's a burden from the Lord, I think that came this morning as well. If it's a burden from Jesus, it'll be light. Anyway, uh, you shared about the burdens that come from Christ. If it's weighing you down, it's not come from Jesus. He, he can help you with it, but his burdens are light. But isn't it wonderful as well to know that as you're struggling with that burden, somebody comes alongside and says, can I help you with that? You know, if somebody's carrying a big box or something, or a table, or whatever it might be, somebody comes along and says, oh, let me give you a hand. But how great it is when we're carrying those burdens of life, or whatever they are, when somebody will come alongside and say, can I help you with that? Doesn't tell you it's nothing, or that you should just, you know, cast your burdens on the Lord. I mean, that's true, but how good to have somebody come alongside and say, let me give you a hand. So to encourage, to build up, and to help to carry one another's burdens, to come alongside to help. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's one who comes alongside to help. I suppose I kind of ask myself the question, well, what have I got to give? And I want just to remind you this morning, you're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. You're royalty. And as we've heard already this morning, you carry inside of you the spirit of God. You know, Jesus in me, the hope of glory. Sarah was leading us that in the prayer meeting at the beginning of this meeting. You know, in some amazing way, Jesus lives on the inside of me by his Holy Spirit. If that doesn't blow your mind when you really stop and think about it, in fact, it's just as well we don't get it completely. Otherwise, we'd probably just have to lie down and rest for the entire day. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And you carry the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you can read a number of different places. I'll just refer to them fairly briefly. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, uh, which is up here. We have all sorts of gifts 
that the Holy Spirit gives us. There's a gift of prophecy, there's a gift of serving, there's a gift of teaching, there's a gift of encouragement. Some people are just so good at encouraging. Some have a gift of giving, some have a gift of leading, some have a gift of showing mercy. And I don't think that's exhaustive. I think Paul just thought that's probably enough for now. There are so many gifts that we carry. And you'll know, you'll probably actually downvalue and underestimate the gifts that you carry because we think, well, everybody can do that, can't they? No, they can't. What you're good at is what you're good at. Not everybody else is. And you really need to um, use the gifts that God has given you. And then we have another list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. From verse 7, it talks about the gift of the message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, um, faith, a gift of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguish between, distinguishing between spirits, uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. And all these gifts, it tells us in verse 7, are given for the good of the whole community. These gifts are given to us so that we can build up those around us. And for me, I tend to hear this uh, passage uh, taught on in terms of when the whole church is gathered together, but I don't see why it should just be that. You know, in any situation, um, we carry these gifts and it's, let's just stir those up. Let's be conscious of the fact that we are people of the Holy Spirit. You, ha- you bring something into the room or onto the street or into the workplace, wherever you go. I suppose I just want to bring one little note of caution, and I, I hope this is wisdom, is because um, I've just said we bring the gift of prophecy and everything. If you're bringing a personal prophecy to somebody or what you feel is a word of wisdom, just bear in mind that you do not have the full counsel of God as an individual. Don't presume to know the full counsel. Leave room for things to be weighed and tested and corroborated. Because pastorally, one of the things that people get into knots about sometimes is an individual has brought a word to an individual and that's become the word of God to them. And it may well be the word of God to you, but please just get it weighed. I don't mean be doubtful about it, but just mix it together with everything else that God is saying to you and go to somebody that you trust at times. Go together with the person who brings it with you if necessary. Make sure you're hearing the full counsel of God Um, and be sensitive to people's circumstances as well Ecclesiastes 3 4 says there is a time to weep and a time to laugh you know there is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance just you know be sensitive to be to people's circumstances Um, I think Richard may mention in this verse last week Romans 12 15 rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part is suffering, then all the members suffer alongside. If one member is honoured, then all the members celebrate alongside it. You know, it's not helpful to have somebody quote to you, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, if quite honestly, right at this moment, you just want to lie down and die. You know, I don't mean literally necessary, but just things are so bad. Yes, they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. That probably isn't the message they need to hear right now. So just ask the Holy Spirit to give you sensitivity. Sometimes all that somebody needs is for you to sit with them. Maybe even put a hand on their arm and let them know you're there. 
That can be the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. At another time, you need to bring a sharp challenge to somebody, probably somebody you know quite well. I I, I urge caution if it's somebody you don't know that well. Be very uh, circumspect. Be careful about how you bring words. I'm not saying this to put you in fear. I'm just saying just, you know, people are like you are. They have their good days. They have their bad days. But you carry the gift of the Spirit. He will give you wisdom. He'll give you discernment. Just stay open to him. It's so important that we continue to nurture and cultivate our personal relationship with Jesus. Because everything else we do has to come out of that. And I believe as we do that, we don't need to be fearful about getting it wrong. Because as we lean into him, as we trust him, he will guide us. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside to help. So, one of our objectives is to strengthen each other. And we can do that in a variety of ways, as I've said. And then the second hook I want to use is the second verse that I referred to from Romans 1, verse 12 this time. I know that when we come together, something beautiful will happen as we are encouraged by each other's faith. Okay, I don't think something beautiful will happen is literally in the Greek, but I quite like the fact that the voice is there. He's just saying it's, it's a positive picture here. It actually reminds me, um, this verse, of a verse in Proverbs. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Are you familiar with that verse? What do, what do you think it means? Any thoughts on what it actually means? As I ensure, I'm, I'm willing to hear somebody shout, not at me, but shit. encourage each other, yeah? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, sorry? Yeah, we're certainly talking about accountability because it's, it's one person with another. So, sorry, I ought to repeat what's being said. Um, there was about encouragement, encouraging each other, putting right defects. And it kind of reminds me, if you've, if you've got an axe, you know, you've, you've hit a nail with it or something. So it's not quite the sharp edge you had before. You know, putting, putting the edge back on might literally with a piece of metal mean, you know, yeah. applying a file. I mean, that's iron against iron, isn't it? I mean, this can be quite abrasive, can't it? doesn't feel that comfortable. <laughs> you, stop, you stop and think about it. But there's the accountability side of things because it's, you know, we sharpen each other. But I just kind of think, what actually in practice, what else might it mean? Sorry? Learning from each other. Motivating each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to be pretty close, don't you? <laughs> yeah, some, there's going to be a bit of friction there. A bit of heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't just do things on yourself, but it's doing... It's like a saying, at the, I do, all I need is him, but I need you as well. Because there's time when my edge is not very sharp. You know, so I'm not as effective as I could be. If you try and chop down a tree with a blunt axe, you might succeed, but it's going to take an awful lot of effort. And that cut's not going to look very clean, is it? But with a sharp edge, you can deliver a, 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 an efficient, effective cut and I think there's a sense in whatever area of our life it may be and we're all different 
it's that we can put an edge on each other. We can sharpen each other. So in the words of the Romans verse, um, we are encouraged by each other's faith. Something beautiful happens. It's each other's. We bring something each into that relationship, into that interaction. Uh, and that can happen in all sorts of places. It's one-to-one that can be interesting <laughs> with people sometimes. But I find family hubs. For me, for Sonia at the moment, we're in a family hub we really enjoy. And just spending time talking to each other and discussing things with each other, it's a great place to kind of, you know, have some of the blunt bits knocked off and be encouraged by each other in the room. And just finding other places. Uh, You may have other circumstances and situations where you find it's really helpful to be sharpened by one another. Um, When the writer to the Hebrews is wanting to encourage people in their faith, he writes a whole chapter of stories of people's faith. And um, Richard made reference to it last week. In fact, he read quite a bit of Hebrews chapter 11. And he, you can think, why all of that? And I just think he was, the writer of the Hebrews, is just want to encouraging people by telling people stories. And our stories, you know, our testimonies, of what God has done in our lives are really powerful in motivating other people. Your testimony, which might be just the way that God helped you to find relief from that burden, because somebody else came along and said, can I help you with that? That's your testimony of God's provision for you in that situation. And sharing that story can be such an encouragement to somebody else. You know, on a Sunday morning sometimes, people will come and say, you know, this has happened and we might clap or whatever. The idea is, yeah, it's great for them, but I'm really encouraged by what you've just shared, what you've told me about your story, your um, testimony, your declaration about what God has done for you. So good to hear people's stories and testimonies. So that after a whole chapter of Abraham did this, and Moses did that, and Rahab did this, and and so many other people. We get to chapter 12, verse 1, and and the writer says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, so it just means all these heroes of faith I've just been writing about, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of our faith. He's told us stories of faith to encourage us in our faith. People's faith and stories of faith, where do we end up? Fixing our eyes back on Jesus so that we can say, all I need is you. All I need is you. How do I get to that place? From all that encouragement I have from all these stories and heroes of faith and in my own history, which seems to be getting longer and longer, I suppose that's inevitable. You know, more and more accumulation of seeing God out. Yeah, challenging things as well. But God, time and time again, proving his faithfulness and so often proving it through the lives of men and women that I know and that I experience not just in my own life, but as I see it in the lives of others around me. In 1 Timothy Sorry, I beg your pardon. 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul writes this. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ. Look at this. 
to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And I wish he'd stop there, but he continued, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. He's in the letter, he's talked more about that. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. Thank you, Paul. In fact, I don't know if I've got verse 4 on there. Don't worry about this. It goes on a bit further. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you all know. Hmm. Okay. Um, Do you remember who it was that says, in this life you'll have trouble? Who said that? Jesus did. I think the last time I preached, I suggested that you have that on a fridge magnet. Or probably challenged you that you didn't have it as a fridge magnet. But there aren't many houses with that. In this life you will have trouble. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's a great promise, you know. And then Paul's saying the same thing. But that's the very reason we need to strengthen and encourage each other. Not because life is plain sailing. Frankly, if life was plain sailing, I wouldn't need you guys. Would I? I mean, it'd be nice to spend time with you. Probably. (laughs) Some of you. (laughs) I'm just teasing. You're all wonderful. It's, <laughs> it's because... didn't quite catch that. It's because... Okay, I'll step out of it. It's because of difficulties. It's because of trials. It's because of these persecutions even that we need to strengthen each other, that we need to encourage each other. And that's the very reason that Paul sent Timothy to the church in Thessalonica, so that he could do that. Yeah, Jesus, in John 16, 33, in this life, you'll have trouble. Mind you, he did say to encourage them. He says, uh, let my peace be with you. Let my peace be with you, and have trouble. But don't worry about it. I've overcome the world or something. I can't remember. You can look it up later. It's good stuff, really. It's just that little promise in the middle. So let me finish with this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as a community, as some have forgotten, but encouraging one another, or encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. I just want to encourage us not to give up meeting together, literally in this kind of setting and in smaller settings, But also, as you spend time with one another in just the ones or twos, threes or fours, to make the most of those opportunities. Not to get heavy with one another, but you are carriers of the Holy Spirit. You carry gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we can use those to encourage and strengthen and to build each other up. You know, we might not feel like we're under persecution particularly at the moment, although there's no guarantee that that won't come. But we all have trials and difficulties and stuff that goes on. So let's help to carry each other's burden and to encourage each other actively, proactively looking for those opportunities. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.